it cannot be emphasized strongly enough the beauty, purity, and perfection of who you really are. You are not your illness, your finances, or your loneliness. There's nothing wrong in your life that you don't have the power to correct, and you are unlimited in your ability to tap into that power. Welcome. I'm Janet Richmond, and this is the Higher Self Voice. Good morning. Hello. Good day. Whatever time of day it is, wherever you are, welcome, welcome. It's that time again. It's Wednesday. It's what we call here in the States Hump Day. It's partway through the work week. And for those of you who are listening live, welcome, welcome. And a big welcome to those listening to this as an archive show as well. Okay, so today is kind of a big day. I I'm doing the big reveal about the testers and tempters that are part of the evolutionary process, and I will get to that in just a minute. Uh, however, I want to just mention that I am going to be doing a healing in the second hour. I don't know if it'll be exactly an hour for the testers and tempters part in the beginning. It, it is it's an element of the evolutionary process that I literally haven't shared with many people at all because of the potential, the very, very serious potential that there can be misunderstanding and or this could somehow give people reason to be judgmental. And this is something that I try to be very cautious and careful about because there's enough out there that we judge. There's enough out there that we, you know, the drop of the hat, we've got something to say. And so it's important to me to be careful about giving people the opportunity to judge. And this is not an opportunity to judge, but it might be interpreted as such. And, you know, if you listen to this show very often or very much, you know that I, I try very hard to not be judgmental, instead to be understanding, to see things from that helicopter viewpoint, the expanded viewpoint, so that we can look at some behavior or some action or some situation or condition, some person, and understand what is going on behind some something that we don't like, something that we think is bad in some way. And it doesn't necessarily excuse the behavior or excuse the condition, but with understanding, we can have a different approach to that situation. With understanding, instead of just wiping that person off the map or that whatever off the map, deciding that that's just the worst thing in the world, you know, putting it in a deep, dark box of uh, let's burn this in the fireplace and get rid of it. Instead, we can approach it and say, okay, that person that, or the people that are involved in this difficult, this, this seemingly horrific situation need to suffer the consequences of their behavior, but we can't wipe anybody, any soul off the map because each and every soul is as pure and perfect as any other. And each and every soul can be, can learn, can be educated, can, can grow, can move into higher and higher understandings. And in fact, there isn't any one of us that is myself or anybody listening or anybody on the planet, no matter how, quote unquote, aware, no matter how conscious we are in, in, at this point in our lives, we've had many, many alike 
maybe even earlier in this life, where our behavior could have been judged and written off by some other people. So we've all been in the reverse position. None of us likes it. There's usually we're thinking to ourselves, well, if they only understood all the stuff that's going on behind the scenes, I don't think they would judge me so hard. And two, well, as well, when we, when I, I think I've mentioned this before, when when I had my daughter, I was a single parent, and I read everything I could get my hands on. And one of the things that made such an impress upon me was when your when your child does something, no matter what the child does, whether it's you know have a temper tantrum or hit the neighborhood kid, you know, cheat on the test or whatever. What, whatever the child does, it's very important to let the child know it's the behavior that you don't like, not the child, him or herself. And that may seem obvious, but trust me, it was mind-blowing for me when I first saw it because I noticed the minute I read it how we tend to get upset with our kids and we don't distinguish. We don't tell them it isn't you. I know you're a good child. I know you're a caring child. I know you're this or whatever. But that behavior, you might want to think about some more. You might want to think before you hit the hit the kid at, at, on the playground or whatever it is. Uh, so there's there's a lot to be said for that little basic kind of tidbit of information. We can expand that to say no matter what the behavior is of the individual that we look at or we see or we read about, it's really important to take that helicopter viewpoint and say, okay, their behavior is very, very, it's outrageous. It is cruel. It is abusive. It is whatever it is, depending on who it is we're talking about. But to understand absolutely at the gut knowing level that that person is a good person underneath. It has a purity and perfection of the pure soul essence. And that that person simply is going through his or her own difficult pattern, his or her own journey evolutionarily, his or her whatever to bring that behavior to be what it is, child abuser or molester or whatever. I mean, even those extreme behaviors, we have to understand that no soul is lost. Every soul continues and moves on its journey going through whatever it chooses to go through in order to grow and learn. And a lot of times what the soul chooses backfires. It doesn't grow or learn. You know, understand this. You really need to read my second book, Soul Psychology, Our Journey Through the Human Kingdom Universe. But it's laid out, clears about right away in the second chapter. I begin with a story that's fascinating, a true story about a soul that was on this planet. It is important. If you want to understand this concept to to get the book, and it's it's um, it's available on all all print, ebook, and on Kindle. Now the Kindle version I didn't know, but because I just assumed it was, I just assumed Amazon, whoever moved it from the print version, which I edited and edited and edited, that that would be moved into a Kindle version, and it would be that would be fine, but I just found out about a week ago or two weeks ago that the Kindle version is horrible. (laughs) 
So I had uh, reached out to uh, someone who knows how to translate the print version to the Kindle version so it doesn't look horrible and that it's much easier to read. So if you're going to buy the book and you want the Kindle version, wait. Maybe it'll take maybe another week uh, or so, maybe 10 days to get it on the Kindle version in a proper manner. But in any case, it is a really big thing, guys. And guess what? I'm just kind of changing the subject here. I won the gold medal award for that book in the category New Age slash Mind, Body, Spirit. Yeah, I just on a whim last, late last year entered the book into this contest for ebook. It's called ELIT. It's a contest for self-publisher, you know, authors who have self-published. There, there are dozens of categories, I think over 60, and I entered the one in, as I said, the New Age one. And I got the gold medal, guys. I just got an award for it last week on Friday. So I didn't announce it last, I didn't announce it last week because I, I didn't know. Um, so anyway, it's a really good book. And I don't know how many people entered that category. I don't think it's a massive contest you know, that's global or anything. I don't know what, I don't know much about it, but, you know, even if they were five people or 25 or 85 or 200, I, I really don't know how many people entered in that category. It doesn't matter. These are independent readers, not friends or clients that, you know, read the book and decided it, it was worthy of winning this, this category. So I, putting a shout out to you to, to read it because I think you're going to understand and it would be especially important for you to understand the fact that no soul is lost. Every soul is equally important to every other and they have a complicated journey behind them to bring them to the point where they are acting and behaving and manifesting as they are in this life. And so this material that I'm revealing about the testers and tempters is material that I want you to keep this in mind very, very at the forefront of your mind. And trust me, <laughs> I'm going to be reminding you every other moment <laughs> because it is, it is really, really important to me that everybody try to take the high road here and try to be really careful about how they approach this subject to open their minds and to understand. Okay. So I'm going to get started. Again, I'm going to do a, a big healing on the, after I do this bit on the testers and tempters. And this is really the first of maybe, I'm thinking it could go up to five shows, certainly four, maybe six. Um, there's going to be a lot of shows on the testers and tempters because there's a lot of information. So I'm literally scratching the surface today. Okay. Well, to begin, I do need to review just a little bit. Now, as you recall... If you guys have been following my fifth dimensional information that I started in the very first show in January, I think it was the sixth, very first show in January this year, I started opening up and talking about the souls on the planet that carry the dual soul nature. Now, and I explained that they returned to the human kingdom, having taken a, a these souls evolved from the human kingdom into the fifth dimensional realm or the, the interplanetary kingdom, which is what the higher self called it. Anyway, the, the, those carrying the dual soul nature here 
have already evolved into the fifth dimension. And then they volunteered to return carrying the an aspect of themselves from that fifth dimension, that fifth dimensional aspect, taking on the facade form, the facade human soul and form. And we returned as volunteers for the sole purpose of accelerating and facilitating the evolutionary process of the four lower kingdoms, okay? Especially the human kingdom, because the human kingdom is in that free will arena. Very key here. In other words, we had already graduated. Then the Evolutionary Council had asked for volunteers for the fifth dimensionals who were having their living, breathing, this body and soul in the fifth dimension. Because when you graduate to the fifth dimension, you take your body with you. Okay. So, of course, it's transformed. And I haven't explained that anywhere on this show. And one day I will explain the graduation process. But in any case, they, the evolutionary counselor decided to ask for, for these volunteers to return to help the evolutionary process. And so when a fifth dimensional volunteered, an aspect of its soul would be de-intensified down, has to be de-intensified because the frequency level in the fifth dimensional realm is so high. If it came in full force into the human realm, it would kill off whatever it touched. So it's de-intensified down, and it's just an element, it's just an aspect of that fifth-dimensional soul. So it's de-intensified down, and it takes on the fifth human facade soul. So the dual soul nature, again, in short, is there's a true soul at the center, which is the fifth-dimensional soul aspect that's been de-intensified down. And then there's the facade human soul that is kind of an overlay around that. So that's the dual soul nature. Uh, there's no reason for anyone to feel entitled or better than just because we carry the dual soul. In fact, it's not that different than carrying a, a dual citizenship. It does simply mean we've been around a long time and we were able to move up into the higher frequency levels and graduate into that next dimension. It is not anything about being better than anyone else. Okay. Now, I also explained that the reason for the volunteers was that because the true soul was underneath, so to speak, symbolically the facade soul, as the fifth dimensional energy was released, it would move through the facade body and soul, and it would pick up the flavor of the human side of us. So that made it much more familiar and comfortable for the humanities to to pick up that higher frequency level. And that's what was important because before the volunteers came in, the energy was sent from the fifth dimension, de-intensified down. And, but the humanities thought it was strange or alien, was afraid of it or threatened by it. And it took a really, really long time for those humanities, those humans, to take that higher frequency energy into the soul banks. So when we return, now the energy is much more familiar and, as I said, more comfortable. And so the humanities are taking it into their soul banks at a much higher rate of speed, which is extremely important. Because Why? Because part of the underlying foundation of the evolutionary process is that when a soul takes in the higher frequency, and this is any kind of soul, 
at any level takes in a higher frequency, its soul is struggling to reach, is motivated, is uh, pushed, is trying to reach that higher frequency level. And this is, this is, as I said, the foundation of the, and the basis for evolution. It is the motivator. It is the push to continue to learn, to grow, to reach that higher frequency, whatever it may be at whatever level. So, of course, there are way more to this fifth dimensional uh, help that is being given. There's lot, a lot more, but I'm, that's another, another slew of shows at some point. But right now, uh, I, I, that's, that's the background. That, that's the sort of the in, the re, in review. Okay. Now, what I haven't told you yet, and which is the topic for today, is that in fact, when the call went out for volunteers, fifth dimensionals who wanted to return, guess what? They were actually given a choice. They could either walk the path of light or they could walk the path of dark. Now, right off the bat, I use the term dark and everyone is going to think bad, evil, problem, this kind of thing. But in fact, the other path is really the path of the testers and the tempters. So the souls had a choice to work the path of light, which would be bringing the light, the teachers. As a matter of fact, you could just call the path of light teachers. They're either teaching outright, directly, indirectly, or simply by providing the, from the true soul essence, that higher frequency energy. The other path, the other path, the other choice is the choice of testers and tempters. And the reason the higher self called it the dark path was had nothing whatsoever to do with evil or bad. What it had to do with was it meant that the testers and tempters were veiled. In other words, there was a veil or a shield around their pure soul essence. Their pure soul essence light is as bright and brilliant as any other soul, any other fifth dimensional. But with the shield around it, with the veil around it, they were in the dark. They didn't know that they were fifth dimensional or that they carried the light. That's what it meant. So guess what? We had a choice, guys. We could choose either path, even though it is the divine in the divine will arena in the fifth dimension we always have choice <laughs> and again the volunteers had choice now uh when i use the term uh shield or veil of course we think we're veiled because we don't really get who we are at the inner levels but at some point we we do sense we do know there's something more. We do seek and search. We do try to find. We do try to become aware. We know there's something more. We sense, even though we don't understand it completely, we sense that light. But the testers and tempters don't feel that. They have no inner sense, one way or the other, about the light within themselves. Now, here's what happens. Because evolution is orderly, can't just send in the, those working the path of light. 
now the humanities are taking in that higher frequency energy at a higher rate of speed than than ever before and they are reaching new levels of awareness and understanding and movement forward in their frequency levels and their um, evolutionary levels and so they're doing that at a higher rate of speed than ever before but because evolution is orderly it is absolutely essential that there be a test at every step forward because you don't want to go forward two or three or four levels and then discover that level five, I'm just making the levels up, at level five, it really needed a strong foundation at level two. And if level two was kind of shaky, you could just collapse the whole thing and there could be a whole bunch of backsliding. And as much chaos as we think there's in the world now, you wouldn't believe the chaos if we didn't have orderly evolution. And so at each step forward that a soul will take with the help of those working the path of light, in would come a tester or and a tempter to test that level, to make sure it was solid. Okay? Very, very important very important part of the process we can't help the evolutionary process accelerate only to have it turn into utter chaos and so the testers and tempters play an essential significant role they are as highly evolved as those working the, the lighted path the teachers so to speak and yet they are veiled they don't know. Why? Because it would be much more difficult for them to play the role of tester and tempter if they could if they knew about their life, their light. They would pursue what, what we're doing, pursue becoming more and more aware of the light instead of doing their job. Now um, and they are, by the way, just as we are back here doing the path of light, they're earning their evolutionary stripes and processing into the sixth dimensional realm as well. So we all, both sides, teachers and testers and tempters, both sides are, have already processed many aspects into that sixth dimensional frequency level. So we're continuing to evolve and we're actually speeding up our own evolutionary process because we're down here helping. So we're, you know, we're, nobody's a victim here and it's all by choice. Now, these testers are divinely well, uh, and they are able to carry out their, what they need to do, how to test and tempt, uh, but it does not encompass permission to kill or trespass an entity's free, free will. You have to understand there is no permission to trespass. They're fifth dimensional. They cannot trespass. They work out of divine will, and they can't kill, okay? So... They are divinely willed just as we are. So please understand that they have to obey the rules and regulations, and they also, because they're divinely willed, cannot, the rules and regulations, excuse me, of the human kingdom, and they cannot, because they're divinely willed at that fifth dimensional level, they cannot kill, they cannot trespass. So again, these are good guys. They volunteer to live in total darkness, uh, in fact, they provide opportunities to activate our conscience, 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 
<laughs> because every, because we aren't completely free of the testing and tempting, and I am going to be getting into how it affects us, the fifth dimensional of working the path of light in another show. But we aren't completely free, and, and in fact, whether it's us or any other of humanities, the testers and tempters are, in a way, our conscience. They are giving us a giving every soul a chance to stop, take a look, and take stock of whatever is going on at whatever point in time, and giving us a chance to make a decision. And how and the decisions that we make will determine have we gotten that step, have we gotten that understanding and that awareness, that evolutionary step, whatever it is, have we gotten it firm? And are our choices going to be uh, firm on that step, or are we shaky and we, we choose to go the choice be, before the step, and we aren't firmly showing that we aren't firmly on that step. So, so to do their jobs, again, the testers and tempters have to have their pure soul essence shut off, so to speak. It's there, but they're shielded from it, and they, too have been in place for billions and billions and billions of years, just like those of us who are walking the path of light. Uh, I can tell you right now, though, there are no testers and tempters listening to the show. <laughs> As a matter of fact, probably, there, you know, it's probably everybody who listens are carrying the dual soul nature. I think that this show is really for to bring consciousness to those who aren't in a place around the globe where they can gain access to this. Even I haven't put this in a book, but the, a lot of the fifth dimensional information is not yet in a book. My next book, I'm going to be talking about fifth dimensional for the first time in the book. Uh, and I will also be including the, the testers and tempters. It's very important because it's part of the story. Have to. So, each book that I come out with will unfold some of this information more and more. But this show is really like a pioneer show. I'm giving the information out on the show. I don't really know how many are listening, but I do know that those that are listening need this information in their conscious mind. And it was the higher self and Joan Culpepper, because she came in. I, I went to the higher self and I said, okay. Uh, what should it, I want to sh do a little shift. I want to introduce a whole nother level of shows, another topics, series of, of topics, and the couple that come to my mind, and I listed two or three, and immediately said, oh, you have to talk about the testers and tempters. It's really time for people to understand what goes on and why. Okay, so... Okay, these testers and tempters, just like us, have been going through billions and billions and billions of years in the human facade form, all right? And they've gotten encrustments, they've gotten misunderstandings, they've gotten all sorts of things in their own facade souls, just like we have, okay? But we're fortunate, again, because we recognize innately that we have light, that we want more. We are seekers and searchers trying to get answers trying to piece things together and we slowly become more and more awake at the conscious level. But what does it mean to those souls unable to feel their light? I mean, tough. It means from time to not time, and this may be interesting for you, they need nourishing and nurturing. And how do they get this? 
Well, there are those of us working the path of light, the teachers, who have volunteered to be, quote unquote, way stations for the testers and tempters. What that means simply is we provide them light, which is nourishing and nurturing to them. And those who have volunteered to be a way station do put out a signal of sorts and testers and tempters do come in and take of the light. When I do the healing, the healings, and I bring everybody into one accord with the pure soul essence light, and I say souls are coming from all over, legions of souls to partake of the light, what I have not ever said is there also what, what the higher selves call the dark lights that come in and partake of the light. So they, there isn't a specific way station or individual acting as a way station, but there is a, the light is being provided for the testers and tempters, and the higher self often call them the dark lights. And the, this is essential, okay? And there'll be more on this, but, um, okay, what happens then is that these testers and tempters have been walled off for years, billions of years, without the feeling or knowledge of who and what they are. And they often act in a way that can be seen as evil or bad. Okay, this is the problem. They're walled off, and to be a tester and tempter, you can imagine that they would come across as quote-unquote bad people have but in reality it's bad behavior okay let's be really clear there so there is a uh, you know there is their their light is as bright they have the pure soul essence as anyone else but they do require the nourishment and the sustenance what to take in the of the light to, you know, because they're, they're shielded from their own light. Trust me, our pure soul essence is so key, guys, to be shielded from it. I, I just, it's hard for me to wrap my brain around. In any case, when they do come in, there are times where there's like a kind of a union aspect between someone walking the path of light and someone who is a tester and tempter. And often the this kind of union, in quotes, and I don't mean necessarily marriage or anything, but whatever connection is made, it can often be difficult. It can be fighting. There can be, quote, unquote, battles and stuff like that. And so, but in fact, being a one who has volunteered to nurture the testers and tempters is not a fearsome task. It really isn't. It isn't about fear. It is about awareness to understand that these testers and tempters who volunteers, their volunteering came from the love of the humanities. They knew going in what a hard, difficult road this would be. If they didn't love the humanities, if they weren't fully committed to that divine will service commitment to the humanities, they would not have taken on this role. So those of us 
and I'm not one. I have not, I know that from Joan, I'm not one that was volunteered, but I do have a very, very close friend that has volunteered. So the, the fact of the matter is, uh, but I'm not sure. As a matter of fact, it's really fascinating because Joan, way back when we first got this information, Joan and all of us kept looking around trying to figure out, ooh, who could be, you know, a tester and tempter, blah, 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 blah. And in fact, the, <laughs> we, ne- we thought we had nailed a few. And then the higher self came in and said, eh, no, you're, you're not right. And so we were judging in, in essence. We were assuming, we were best guessing that who could be these testers and tempters in our lives and stuff like that. And then when I had this friend who had volunteered to be a way station, you know, uh, I would look at his life and see, oh, gosh, could this person or that person? And in fact, to this day, I've never known who is a tester and tempter. And this is what is so key. I'm next week, I'm going to explain how they work. And you're going to see better uh, more clearly why we can't go out and make assumptions and judgments. And in fact, it really doesn't matter because um, <laughs> it's just m- more important to understand how important a role these individuals play. Once you understand how they work, you're going to see why, again, why it's much harder to make it make a determination. It's it's equally hard to decide who is a fifth dimensional that's playing the side of light because many fifth dimensionals, remember, they carry the facade soul. They can be as messed up as a tester and tempter. They can be in gangs. They can be in jail. They can be in tribal societies. They have made choices based on whatever level of humanity they want to help so you you can look at somebody who's in prison for something and think oh there's no way they're fifth dimensional but in fact they are so you have to understand that figuring out who is and who isn't is a hopeless task it's a needless task and i invite you all and encourage you all not to do it some are obvious And when it's important for me to know, the higher self do give me that information because now I'm part of my role as working the path of light. Part of my role is to bring to consciousness other dual-souled nature individuals that are working the path of light. And this is one reason I have this show. Part of my role is to bring to consciousness because there are millions of light, those working the light path, with the dual soul nature around the planet and the show reaches around the planet. Now that's part of my role. So I am given that indicator, but I, as I'm walking through my day, I really don't have a clue. I don't know. And it's not important because what's important is that we interact with every individual as our, as our equal, because we are equal to every soul. And that's, the important thing and it's the same here even with souls that are acting out in a way that's extremely negative it's so easy to judge and it is why back and I think I've mentioned it recently when we had the terrorist attacks 
um, France, in France, I worked equally hard on the souls who were victims as I did on the terrorists. I worked on both sides equally because both sides are in trouble. Both sides need help. Both sides are hurting and have had difficult journeys to get to this point to be in that position, either the terror, terrorist or the one being terrorized. So you're always going to see me treating the quote-unquote bad guys in an equal way. Can't help it when I spent so much time getting the higher self information through John's group and then all the work I did from the late 80s on my own to expand the information, to learn and grow and become aware, and then moving into this arena and rereading Joan's material. And because of this show, doing even more homework, writing my two books, oh my gosh, that second book, at least 50, 60% of it is information I brought in. Joan's information will always be a kind of a foundation. But you know what? We're all able to bring in our own information, not just me. And so trust me. You're going to see from me, because I've had it, you know, coming in the eyes and the ears for a very long time. And I can only encourage you to understand and to move as much as you can forward, not to be judges, but to be, to go to the level of the helicopter and understand, even though we can't know. I mean, I see, I don't know really in the individual terrorists who did the bombings and everything in France. I don't know their backstory. I was never given their individual soul's journey. I just know at my gut that those are hurting humanity in in a state of hurt, in a state of misunderstanding and misconception. And I don't remember what I got on them, but I remember it being fascinating. I did it as a conglomerate, not just the individual, but the conglomerate patterns were fascinating. So I learned by the end of that show a little bit. If I re-listened to it, I would be reminded. But you guys could go back and listen to it. It was somewhere, you know, after the the terrorist attacks. It was last year, I believe. And I I do have it archived. It should be on there. Anyway, next week, I'm going to explain more how these testers and tempters work. I'm going to clarify how they operate, and what techniques and tools they use, how it works. I'll give you some examples. I think you'll find it fascinating. And then after that, I'm going to go even further, and I don't know. There's like three or four other parts of it. I don't know which I'm going to do next. But in any case, I want to just leave you with this to understand that there's a lot of help out here. And one of the things that will be coming up next week is that we are at the dawn of the new age infusion right now. And whenever there's a big infusion of a concept, whether it is the higher heart consciousness concept, the Egyptian concept, the Atlantean concept, whenever any planet who is carrying, uh, you know, uh, human souls or any kind of soul, the, the planet goes through a series of infusions, and each planet goes through the same ones. So every planet has had an Egyptian concept, the higher heart consciousness, or the Christ, Christ concept, whatever you want to call it. The, uh, 
Atlantean, the Lemurian, every planet has had it, and every planet goes through it in its own really unique way. But every time one of these concepts are infused, there are many interplanetaries that, that reincarnate on these planets, both the those working the, the light and those working the testers and tempters. It's very important that you understand that. So right now, because we're at the dawn of this new age, we have a tremendous amount of both. And the saying, with with the light comes an equal amount of darkness, is simply because as those, again, as those who are providing the light help the humanities move the reason. Okay, let me back up. The reason many do is because the infusions offer great opportunities for great movement forward. And so with these opportunities, the those working the path of light, the teachers come in to help, then the humanities use these opportunities as much as possible. So you have descending, reincarnating on those planets, many carrying the dual soul nature, working the path of light. At the same time, you have many that would reincarnate working the path of the tester and tempters or many don't actually incarnate many of us actually operate sort of uh, out of body but the and you'll learn more about that next week but in any case the reason there's an equal amount of light and dark that comes in now i don't mean dark bad i mean dark testers and tempters veiled those that are veiled is because every time in this time of great change and great opportunity to step forward, many teachers, many walking the path of light are providing the light. And so many of the humanities do take steps forward. But remember, with each step has to be tested. So that's why you say with the light comes an equal amount of darkness. But again, it's not darkness negative. It's darkness veiled veiled from the pure soul essence. And with that, I'm going to leave this topic. I'm pleased to tune in next week. You're going to find it fascinating. Each element that I'm going to be talking to you about is absolutely fascinating. And it's been a huge job for me to pull together all of this information because we have a ton. And uh, I haven't even finished. I've got much of next week done, but I don't have the third, fourth, fifth, or sixth yet, although I have an idea of what I'm going to be doing each time. It is just the, you know, I'm working with, you know, huge amount of resource. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. So that's the scoop. Uh, please email me. You have any questions, Janet at higher any comments you might want to continue to listen first so that you can get the full story. I just literally touched the tip of the iceberg and hopefully you're going to find it really fascinating. And I think by the end, you're going to really understand a heck of a lot more about what goes on globally and why. And your interpretation of what's going on globally is going to definitely take some shifts. Exactly how and where and what direction, uh, I'm not sure. Each individual will be different, but I can promise you by the end of this series, you will look at things differently. And, of course, we're all snowflakes, so it'll be different for each one of us. Okay. But now I'm going to be working on Angie. She reached out to me from Canada, and I'm just completely thrilled that she did. She was thinking that 
probably she didn't listen she hadn't listened to the show she somebody had given her the the book my first book choices which she read and found fascinating and informative and then she read my second book and just one night she said oh you know what i'm just going to try to get help she didn't even know that i did the show and then i did healings on the show so she reached out and oh my gosh i think i've had five really huge emails from her outlining this extremely 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 difficult life my heart went out to her and i've offered her two shows uh and i've also told her that if she you know i'm really encouraging her to work on herself because i can't do it as you guys know i can't do it for everybody i can't do everything i can't be the fixer what i can do is introduce you to the process that you can use for yourself as i said and so I'm so happy to give the jumpstart to introduce people, to help them get the, the, the start of their, their work. I do believe that Angie is already beginning to work on her own because she's read choices. She's actually reading it to both her kids. And you're going to see why this is uh, pretty fascinating as I explained to you some of her backstory. Now, please understand that I am picked out sort of main things, but I've left out at least 50% of her struggles. Really, really, really difficult life, okay? She's not alone. We all know people who've had these kind of very, very difficult circumstances. If we don't know them personally, we certainly know of them. And so I know each and every one of you listeners will be absolutely drawn in and wanting to help and be part of it. It doesn't mean you can't be working on yourself because, again, Angie, like everyone, we all, as different as we are, we all have elements that are common to the human condition. And so, again, listeners, go through, do the exercise for yourself. I know I'll be calling on you to add your light so we can all help Angie, but also your light can be helping you as well. It's not an either-or thing. We do both all the time, okay? Okay, so... What happened is that she, her mother, uh, divorced the man she was married to because the mom had an affair. Now, Angie was a product of the affair. And when the mother had a child because of the affair, that means the father, the mother's first husband, took Angie's three older siblings, okay, the mother, um, I don't know if she lost, I don't know, I can't remember if she lost them because this was in Canada. I don't know if she lost them because she, the, the state or whatever took them away or whether the father just went off of them. But in any case, when the mother got pregnant, the affair didn't work out. The mother took Angie to, at age four, uh, no, 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 I'm, mis- I'm sorry, I'm a little confused. What happened was, okay, there was this divorce. The mother gets pregnant by the affair. The affair doesn't work out into anything. The mother moves into a state of uh, a life of alcoholism. And so by the time Angie was four, she was moved into a foster care. And in foster care, she was assaulted, sexually assaulted on a continual basis. Okay? This is age four. When the mom, after she got through rehab or whatever she did, 
when she got back on her feet, she got Angie out of foster care at age five and moved her from Canada to England because the mother was English. The father, the, the husband, not Angie's father, but the original husband was Canadian. So they had, she'd moved to, can, uh, to Canada. However, back in England, the mother's problem continued, including self-mutilation, which she used to make Angie watch. Okay. Um, Angie was, the mother was in and out of um, institutions, and when this happened, Angie would be passed around to various family members. It was a life of real difficulty, real struggle, real pain, no real mother figure at all. And then at one point, Angie was about 15, the mother committed suicide in her bedroom. And so when Angie woke up, the mom was dead and Angie found her. So, okay, <laughs> if it weren't bad enough, that was pretty horrific. And the mother had said earlier two or three weeks, uh, things like, well, when I'm not around, I want you to go be with your half siblings in Canada and things like that. So Angie knew the mother was planning it, but she just kind of wrote it off. She didn't pay much attention. And then she wakes up and the mother is dead. So Angie goes back to Canada to be with her half-sisters. She either met them or had met once or not at all. She did get to know them eventually and her half-brother, um, who then later also committed suicide. And the first two times he tried, Angie found him. But the third time, nobody found him, and he did die. At age 17, she... I think it was age 17, she started dating a guy who was terribly uh, abusive. Um, and she had a child by that guy. It was a son, I believe. And um, left him and then went with someone else, another guy who severely beat her. Both of them beat her terribly. And then she had a daughter with Down syndrome. So she has two children. Uh, one by each of the abusive men in her life. Both children have extreme problems. The son has Tourette's, very extreme uh, case of Tourette's, and he has other uh, medical issues as well. Uh, and so does the, or maybe I'm confusing, I think the, the gal with Down syndrome has tremendous amount of issues other than being a Down child. Uh, so both of the children live with her. She's the sole support. But because of the severity of the beatings that, that Angie sustained in those two abusive relationships, she is now disabled and in a wheelchair and unable to work. So she's on disability, but she is barely able to get by. And her, one of her big worries is what happens if she dies? Who's going to take care of the kids? Because absolutely nobody is, has stepped up, no family member, nobody is, is helping them in any way. Um, so Angie is carrying a tremendous amount of depression, anxiety. She has panic attacks, and she feels like she's drowning and completely lost. And, you know, I'm, I don't, I have a suspicion I might know the gal who gave her my book, but in any case, um, the, the fact of the matter is that she feels like she has some hope. And in fact, she does have hope because this work can help. 
And, of course, she has the fear of dying a tremendous amount. Anyway, I'm only relating, again, just a part of the story. There's so much suffering. Somehow she found me, uh, as I said, a friend introduced her to my to, to the book, my first book, Choices. And, you know, I, I did answer her email. I promised her two shows. And I said, she, she, you know, you guys know people come back and say, oh, could you work on this part of my pattern and this, that, or the other? So I do have people who come back and ask for repeat healing, or not repeat, but additional healing. And I told Angie she could also do that. But again, I can't fix everybody, and I encourage everyone to start moving into doing the work themselves. Um, anyway, so that's the backstory on Angie. Uh, I did not hear anything from the healing I did last week, but I didn't expect to hear anything. If you recall, I worked on Caitlin. She was the one who had a psychotic break and has moved into full-blown schizophrenia. She's in a she's in a uh, like a mental facility, mental hospital, and her parents are bringing her back to her home state, and they're going to try to get you know substantial help for her there. I don't. I know her. I met her once or twice. Uh, Caitlin, it's not like I've never met her, but she, I don't know her really at all personally, and I certainly don't know her family, and I, I really have no way of having any kind of feedback. She, she's, um, I don't have any close connections with her, so I'm sorry I don't have any feedback on that for you, and I probably never get any. I might, there's a chance <laughs> that the gal who told me about it might find some information out that I can share with you, but in any case, I do work on these pretty severe problems, and as I said in my second book, there's a whole chapter on Sophia, who is also a schizophrenic, a paranoid schizophrenic, and there was substantial change for her. I did work on her a lot more than three, two or three shows, though, so, and she also worked on herself, so there is a lot of, lot of movement. She's not completely well now, but she is out of this very, very deep, difficult place she was when we started. So there is a huge amount of help here. And I I know Angie is going to be working on her own. And Angie, if you're listening to the show, she said she would call in, but I think she's listening online on the, on the computer, streaming live, and I don't see that. I only see when somebody calls in. In any case, she, I just want to tell you, Angie, that you can always write me questions. You know, you can be in communication with me as we have been. So if you have questions about working on your own, this show should help you because I'm going to give you a very, like a shortcut. So I want you to play the archive version and go right to the, the healing and listen to it and just work on yourself over and over again, pausing from time to time when new things come up for you and you'll be able to really make good use of this healing. Okay. So let's get started. I just want to get a little bit of water here, guys. So while I'm doing that, why don't you make yourself comfortable? I want you to begin quieting your mind. I have to do the same thing. Okay. And I really want to have everyone and specifically Angie, and I do see you, Angie, right in front of me. 
And so I want everyone to begin the focus of attention on that pure soul essence. We talked about the pure soul essence a lot when, when, we were just, when I was sharing about the testers and tempters. And so I want everyone to focus on that pure soul essence, understanding that this is our purest, most perfect, most potent personal power that we have. This is what the energy of this pure soul essence, which is everything the originating source was, is, and is becoming, this is what does the healing work. I don't do it. I'm simply a guide. I'm a trigger. I'm a, I bring the focus. I help you focus and bring that focus of attention in. I help you understand. I bring to awareness, that sort of thing. I am not doing the healing. It is your own light that does the healing. This pure soul essence light is what does the neutralizing and dissolving of the pattern. And it also does the, the empowerment and the creation of the new pattern, the, the patterns where you're going to be moving, um, moving toward and empowering more uh, the upside, so to speak, the other side of the coin. Right? So we're dissolving the old and we're creating the new. So I'm simply a guide. Uh, it is not me that does the healing. And I want to be really clear. I can't do it for you. It has to be your choice and it is your light that does it. So, okay. So we're all going to focus on that pure soul essence. Now, symbolically, I want the everybody to think of it in whatever symbol they like to. I use the sun, that powerful image that connects us to the incredible power that we're carrying. And I want you, Angie, to really focus on that divine sunlight within, that divine energy within, that divine light within, and see it. It's brilliant. It's powerful. It's moving to expand in through and around the totality of who you are. First, you can see it expand through your physical body, and your physical body has had tremendous hardship over your life, so we want it to move in there. And remember, it carries divine healing and divine repair. Uh, and it is going to move in through and around the totality of the cells, the organs, the tissues, everything. And what we're going to continue to expand it past that into the etheric bodies. And what I'm seeing is that the journey for your one that carries the dual soul nature, your journey as a fifth dimensional through the human kingdom, carrying that facade soul, you have taken on a tremendous amount of issues and patterns and difficulties. And it has, so I'm seeing the light really focusing on kind of this, you know, this whole part of you, the billions of years you've been back as the volunteer carrying the facade soul. So I see the light just when I ask it to move in through and around to become one with the totality of your etheric bodies, it is also encompassing very powerfully the totality of your journey as the facade, carrying that facade soul. And so but it doesn't stop there. The light is moving into the totality of who you are from the moment of time you evolved as a mineral, through the mineral plant and animal kingdom, through the time that you were actually human, and into also it is encasing the, the time where you, the fifth dimensional 
aspects of you and the sixth dimensional. It is the casing, all of that, but it, the heart of it, the intense action here, so to speak, is taking place at the facade soul level, that part of you that has been back for billions of years carrying the light. And it is really, really intensely working at that level. So it's working at, on all of the energetics that you carry from all those lives. As you laid aside one body after another, as you, trans, as you journey through that human kingdom, helping others, doing the best you can, you've taken on a tremendous amount of that energetic baggage we all have. And so this is where the heart of this light is. And I see it around the circle, around the symbolic um, circle where all the listeners, past, present, and future, are are uh, they're present. Everyone that's present here, and so this light. All of us are doing it. I'm really focusing on you, but all of the listeners, as I said, past, present, and future, are going through this amalgamated state. And I see the focus on the facade soul very, very clearly for everyone. So. I just want you to be aware of that. The light is encompassing the totality of the soul process, but the big focus is on the problems we've taken on, the misunderstanding, misinterpretation, misconception, and all that it's led to, fears and doubts and hurts and pains and griefs and sorrows and despair and everything. It's really focusing on that facade soul. That's where we're healing. That's focus of the healing for you, Angie, and for the totality of those of us who carry the dual soul nature. And I do believe virtually everyone that listens to the show is is one that carries the dual soul nature. Perhaps uh, others that are very, very uh, highly evolved in, in the human kingdom. But we're talking very, very... Um, it, this work, though, is very needed and necessary So for all of us. So that's where it's focused on. But before we finish, I do want to just point out that we're all standing as gigantic beacons of light, so to speak. And we're all joined in one accord. And Angie, you are reveling in that light. You just are reveling in it. It's as if, you know, you knew it was there, but you couldn't find it. You're just, you found it. And it's just like, wow. And so... Now I want to expand, strike, strike, expand. I want to encompass. I want all of us that are joined in one accord, this tremendous beacon of light that we are, to move into the center of this diamond shape, this two four-sided pyramid, base to base, that is an energetic field representative of the totality of the originating source. And by moving into the center, we are agreeing to cooperate with all the energies. It's our guarantee that we are using energies as they're de-intensified down to the very highest level that we can do, we can utilize. We always want to be working at the highest level. So we have opened this healing in, into a place where we are able to address the totality of the journey as the facade soul, not just one incident, one life, one anything. It's the totality of the soul's journey, and it's very, very exciting that we have this option, the, the ability to really heal so much at once. And with someone like Angie that has a huge laundry list, uh, don't we all have 
laundry list. Hers is particularly harsh, I would say, uh, but we all, it's all relative and we all have laundry lists of difficult things that we've experienced and that we're still living out of. And so it's just wonderful with this, this kind of work that we can address so much at once. Okay. So, so now I've got you right in front of me, Angie. And the sense I'm getting right now is this light is literally working at a very intense level, a very deep level on the totality of your journey. Because if you hadn't had a very difficult journey up until this life, you would not be suffering the way you are. So the light is working very, very hard on the past life patterns, the and the belief systems that have been created by the repetition of one difficult life after another. Now, I don't want you to get the impression that you didn't have some good lives, because we all have. We've all had some good lives. But what counts for you now is not the good lives, so those aren't the ones that come up. What I'm seeing instead in doing these symbolic soul scan is I'm seeing the polit, you know, the, the massive amount of difficult lives and how they, they, it, it's as if it built, if they were pieces of a puzzle that built, built the soul scrambles and built the problems and built the issues one piece at a time, very, very complex until now. And I feel that this is a perfect storm life. And you've had many lives that have gone into the creation of this outer reality. Now, I've not seen that before. I do see perfect storm lives, but it's usually one in the past, one life in the past. But this feels to me to be a perfect storm life. And in fact, you brought in this perfect storm life because at the soul level, you are aware that this is an opportunity for you to really break through these horrific patterns, these horrific soul scrambles that you've had that have dogged you in different ways, different degrees, different avenues, different perspectives from so many different lives. And, and so far now, I'm not getting anything specific, uh, a specific life, but it's just been built. It's like you building like you were a master craftsman and you built you know, one piece of the complicated stairway up one piece at a time until you finally got to the top and it's this huge foundation. That stairway is absolutely solid and now you're at the top. You're at the perfect storm life of based on all of the troubles, all of the problems that you have experienced up until this point. So, okay. So, as we all know, with icebergs, we only see the tip. This perfect storm life is only an indication of all the building blocks that are underneath that we can't, that we don't remember, that we aren't necessarily aware of. I think now that you've read my books, you have some understanding that, that what's going on now is absolutely a product of your journey. And it is. And so the... It's just, okay, here's the thing. At some point, you have been able to make the 
internal switch. You've turned on the light. You've activated the unremembered remembrance that you carry, that we all have, that you are responsible for your life. And you have, with that shift, you've called in my two books that have validated for you. I'm saying validated because you made the shift before you took in my books. That's what I'm seeing. It validated for you what you already knew. You maybe couldn't have said it in words. You maybe couldn't have uh, verbalized it before. Maybe the books helped you verbalize it in a certain way. But this is powerful stuff, Angie. This is really great news because once we know and understand at that knowing level that we're responsible for our own lives, it's like a key to opening up the doors to letting go of what we've created and called in for eons of time that is causing the difficulties now. And so that's what I see. And what I'm seeing now is I want you to, to actually, I'm seeing like a door, like a door in front of you that is part of you. It is a doorway that you want opened. And I want you to insert the key of understanding, the key that you've taken on, the knowing that you're responsible, and I want you to open that door. You're standing on the inside with all of the symbolic energy baggage that you brought in. You're standing there in the middle of this mess that is, you know, based on all these misunderstandings and difficulties and everything. I want you to unlock that door, open and turn the handle and open that door. And with that, I want you to just let all that stuff out. I'm seeing it stream out. And this is just telling me that you at the soul level, you are so ready to get rid of this stuff. You never, ever would have contacted me if you weren't ready. (laughs) Because the, the action is first, any action is first starts at the energetic level the awareness, the insight, whatever. And so you took the action of reaching out and you have to know that when anybody emails me, I always respond because I know this. I know this at the heart level is that nobody would have reached out to me if they weren't ready. And sure enough, you are just spewing out this dark, yucky energy. It is just this yuck. It is so much, that, and there was so much pressure under there. It's as if with that door shut, you could barely breathe. You couldn't function. This is part of your tiredness, your exhaustion, your, your disability. Is just that it is so crowded in that it, it, it barely could breathe. And I want to call in and activate your own divine breath, your own divine release, your own divine um, freedom. So it's still coming out. It's just pouring, pouring out. It's moving into your beautiful pure soul essence light. And it's absolutely being neutralized despite the fact that it is just coming out like a, it's like multiple oil wells at the same time being drilled and then just having these huge gushers. It is huge, Angie. This is so fabulous. And you just are standing there completely open to let all of that out. Now, with it is coming self-identity, belief systems, and some of them are obvious. You know, the victim pattern. We all carry the victim pattern. There isn't anybody 
that doesn't carry the victim pattern because we've all been blamed for something and we've all blamed. So when we blame, we become the automatic victim because somebody else is responsible for whatever that momentary or that difficulty, whatever. There, whenever we blame somebody, we're a victim. So everybody, and you know, I never use always and never. And but in this case, I have to say everybody carries a victim pattern. Now it's all different degrees, you know, different manifests in different ways. So that's an obvious one. And that one is coming out too. The victim pattern. Oh, I see a lot now coming out from the bottom of the torso. It was sort of more all coming from the heart and the stomach. Now I feel it pulling up from the, the lower parts, the lower chakras, the, the root and the sexual chakra. Of course, we know with all the sexual abuse you had as a child, uh, oh my gosh, um, it is absolutely, absolutely massive, and that is being pulled there. I also see now stuff coming out from the chest, the throat, and the top of the head. It's, it's as if you had to get rid of that stuff right in the, symbolically, the center of the body and the torso before you could really let go of the belief system, the self-identities that are tied up with all of this. Um, and blame is definitely coming out. I see anger. I see vengeance. I see all sorts of patterns that, of course, when we are abused, it's normal to feel some of these things. Now, but you at the soul level want to get rid of those because you understand so much better now that you created those yourself. The, The fact of the matter is, Nothing happens to us that we don't agree to at the soul level. So whenever there's tremendous abuse or tremendous, you know, difficulties in our lives, the first place we go is to blame somebody or something else. But in fact, it would not be happening if we didn't agree to it at the soul level. Just that's the way it is. And so when we start to take full responsibility of our lives, we can shift tremendously what we're going to agree to. And one of the ways we shift it is by letting go of all this stuff, all of this baggage, all of the belief systems and the self-identities that act as beacons or magnets to call in more and more abuse. That's why why it works. We carry very, very deep belief systems. We call, call in situations, conditions, people that will happen exactly, that will will manifest exactly how we believe it's going to manifest. And then we go, oh, see, I was right. I was absolutely right. I knew it, and there you have it. It happened to me. So that's what we do with these belief systems. We want to get those gone. We want to release them. We want to let go of the self-identities, you know, how we judge ourselves, how we define ourselves. And Part of it is letting go of the backstory because if we're defining ourselves by our past, if we're defining ourselves by our hurt, by our wounds, by our difficulties, by all the terrible things that happened to us, we are absolutely empowering at the, the pattern, the pattern of being a victim, the pattern of being assaulted, the pattern of being helpless, the pattern of being powerless, the pattern of whatever it is, being in pain, um, and I do know that Angie does experience a lot of pain. She um, is having a lot of problems with that. So we want to also release the pain. Now, pain is two levels. It's the emotional pain, 
psychological pain, and physical pain at, at three levels. Okay, so we want to release all the pain because that's very much a part of all of these kind of patterns. It can't be, it had to have been extremely painful to be beaten and kicked uh, extensively to the point where it put her in a wheelchair, um, the physical abuse. So the, I want all of that to go out, all of the pain, all of the suffering. Now, I do want, I do want to say that despite the fact you're in a wheelchair and no matter how much you heal, because I you didn't explain exactly what your injuries were, um, but no matter what they are, even if they are permanent, your whole life in the wheelchair can shift and change. You can, you will find ways, as you've seen examples of many, many people who soldiers have lost limbs in, you know, in war, um, people who've lost things in accidents or from disease, they turn their life around and become role models and become inspiration to others. And this is a place that you can move to also. You can become an inspiration for others. So there, even though some things may not be able to change, your whole approach, your whole process, your whole manifestation, your life pattern can change 180 degrees. And I know one of your issues is, you know, caring for your children. Well, if you can release more and more and more of this, this emotional, physical, psychological baggage that you've created over many lifetimes through misunderstandings and all of that, then you can become the role model at least for your children. And I, I do understand that I didn't mention earlier that your daughter who has Down also was sexually assaulted, I think, last year and has had a difficult time coming out of her room. It's been extremely painful for you as a victim of sexual assault. It brought all of that back up. And so this is very important for her to, to literally um, deal with. The more you release your part your uh, your past, your your backstory, all of the energetics that have been created around it, the more you can shift your perspective, the more, and I know you try very hard, obviously reading my books to your kids, you're trying very hard to help them. It is absolutely uh, what you have been doing and are doing is essential. This is just another piece, and it's also essential. And I still see there's a little bit of a slowing here, a little bit of a slowing, but I still see a lot of releasing going on, a lot of it's all hitting your light, it's neutralizing, and it's empowering, it's growing your light. Okay. Um, okay, so what I'm, what I'm seeing, what I'm sensing here, that this sort of general release was extremely important because there's just so much and being a perfect storm life, we're trying to address as much as we can. And what I'm seeing is, you know, I have the image of, of you, what you're manifesting in this life is kind of the tip of the iceberg because underneath the foundation of that iceberg, the foundation of this life is huge and it's 
consistent of many, many different pieces. And my original viewpoint of it was kind of like an iceberg where the tip was the top and then it spread out underneath the, the water, so to speak. But what I'm seeing is that the foundation is shrinking. It is because you're working on a conglomerate level. You're working the totality of your journey through the human kingdom. And we aren't specifying any specific pattern. You're just, you open that door of understanding and you're letting go a huge amount of stuff. Okay. A huge amount of stuff. And so the, the foundation is shrinking and that's good to me because the, the bigger the foundation, the more help, hopeless it feels. And I do want you to really focus on letting hopelessness go because there is a huge amount of hope. Um, there is always hope. I don't care what the situation is. I've worked on so many extreme patterns over the years, and there's always a shift. There's always hope. And so the, and some have really significantly changed, and I have to say, myself included, I can't say that I had the, the, the perfect storm life here that you have had, uh, you are having, you have had, Angie. But I've had some very serious problems that have shifted 180 degrees. And honestly, the, there is a huge amount of hope with this work. So I want to, and I do see you're keeping, you're keeping to release, you're keeping the releases going. And this is important because I think what's going to happen is the residues, the toxins, the, the poisons that you are so ready at the, le- at the soul level to let go of are being let go right away. Let's let go of all of those obvious ones. We don't have to trigger anything off. We don't have to dig and find any difficult patterns. They are, they're just so much being released. And now I see even more of this underneath foundation. As a matter of fact, the head of the iceberg, the, which now is turning into your head, <laughs> excuse the silly symbol, but the head of the iceberg is now, it's almost like it's top heavy. And that's telling me, because the, the foundation, the underneath is getting slender and smaller, but the but there's still some stuff carried at the head level. There's still some resistance, which if you didn't have it, I would be in shock because we all have this kind of resistance. And it's, it simply means that somewhere at the soul level, you don't believe things can get better. Now, you may at the mind conscious level right now, you may believe it, but remember those belief systems come from so many lives and you actually experience lives, many lives and much time in this life where things didn't get better and that it was hopeless and you saw no light at the end of the tunnel, none whatsoever. And so there is this belief system that we need to work on because we want you to let go of that belief system that things can't get better because it does hold us stuck when any belief system, of course, puts a limit on how far we can go. So we want to work on that belief system. It's as if there's a, you've got a Charlie Brown head. Um, I'm thinking, you know, Charlie Brown, but kind of a round pumpkin-y head with a thick, a thick sort of skin around it. It's not really a skin, but just the belief system is sort of hardened around the head. And that's the belief system that says, you know, I don't believe, I don't believe anything has changed. I don't believe it can be better. I have 
more than I can possibly handle on my hands. No way it can get better. Now, again, you may not think that consciously, but you have experienced that. Real experiences in many, many different lives, including early on in this life. I'm sure you had moments knowing that you have had depression, anxiety. Uh, there's times where you felt that. And that's what we need to work on with light. We want to work on that general belief that things can't get better. And I want the light your light from within and your light from without to begin to really focus on that sort of pumpkin skin. It's as if your head is inside a pumpkin. It's not really a pumpkin, but I can't, I'm having a hard time finding it, an analogy uh, so that works. So anyway, I, I want you to just shooting the light 360 degrees, both from within to the inner side of the pumpkin and to without so we're hitting it with all cylinders. You're just slamming this belief system that it can't get better. This disbelief that there's hope. This belief that there can be change. And it is, oh gosh. Okay, okay, I got to get into this. What happened actually is that it's as if the innards of the pumpkin grew and it's refusing the light. That's is something we need to address because that means underneath this belief system, okay, okay, okay. There's a safety factor here. Now, safety factors are part of so many of our soul scrambles. There, it's behind so many of our soul scrambles and so behind so many times when we're really stuck and when we have this resistance. And that safety factor is, is simply this. If I don't try, I can't fail, number one. Number two, if I'm disabled, if I'm incapable, at least the state will take care of me because nobody else will. Now, that's a safety factor that you can relate to maybe in this life. You may never have thought that in a million years. I'm just giving you an example. But in some of these other lives, when you were a victim, Others came in to take care of situations that were either overwhelming or you felt you couldn't handle. So a safety factor also entails uh, this idea that at least, you know, somebody will care for my kids. If I'm disabled, at least the state can come in and provide care. They won't let my kids suffer or starve or something. I'm just bringing it into this life. But there are many lives where being disabled, where being a victim actually brought you safety in that you didn't have to you didn't have to confront your belief that you're incapable of doing of taking care of yourself and so underneath the safety factor is this idea that I can't do it that I'm incapable that I it's too much for any one person to handle and this is actually the basis of a lot of the anxiety and a lot of the depression whether it's conscious or not, and I want you, you know, see, even this resistance thing is carrying many different levels. So we want to neutralize the belief, which seems to be, I don't know if it's the heart of the matter, that I'm, I'm incapable, I'm not good enough, I'm not strong enough, I can't handle it, uh, I'm not a good enough person is underneath there too. There's also underneath there a part of you that believes you deserve all the problems. Got to get rid of that one. Okay, so we're neutralizing all of that. It's sort of the heart of the pumpkin, okay? The heart of the pumpkin 
and I want all of that to be neutralized. And it is. I'm now seeing <clears throat> the pumpkin grew in and it actually crowded out your whole head. So I didn't see your head in there anymore. But now what's happening is there's a hole in the pumpkin right at the center, which this whole thing about not being good enough, not deserving, uh, or actually deserving the bad, all of that stuff. And I can't handle it. I'm, you know, I can't do it on my own. I'm not enough. All of that is being neutralized. The light is just hitting that. I really want that. And it's creating like a hole in the center of the pumpkin. And now the light is actually beginning to move into neutralizing the safety factor. Have to do this in this order because it's just it's very convoluted and there's layers in here. So now the safety factor. The safety factor is much easier, much more easily being able to be neutralized because you're, you now don't, you're not, you've neutralized a lot of the beliefs that you can't do it. So now the safety factor of having somebody else do it is easier for you to let go of that belief system. And so the light is neutralizing. I see the layering inside the pumpkin. It's as if it's being scooped out uh, or dissolved. It's becoming fluid, you know, liquefied in a way and then moving into the light. So this is a really good thing. Really, really good. Well, that turned out to be more, much more complicated than I thought it would be, but that's okay. So um, I'm just glad to get it. So now I see your head popping into the center of the pumpkin <laughs> because you've cleaned out the inner area. Uh, must be Halloween in some part of the world. And so the innards were cleaned out, getting ready for the jack-o'-lantern. And now we have the outside of the pumpkin around the head. This is the belief system that things can't change. This is the resistance. This is the disbelief that anything can change. This is what's creating the top heavy of the whole uh, picture I explained of the iceberg that's shrinking. And now at the head level, there is, you know, it's top heavy. It's not releasing as much because of this resistance. So we want this resistance again. Let's start to focus the light coming from both sides, both sides of the, the shell, the inside and the outside. And now I'm beginning to see, okay, well, the higher selves are being silly. They're now carving eyes, <laughs> eyes and nose and mouth as if it is a, a jack-o'-lantern. Um, but that's an indicator. It's just symbolic. It's a, sil a silly symbol. But the, it's an indicator that the light is actually creating holes in this resistance. It's creating open, opening, and in it is flowing the light of hope. Okay? Hope is flowing in. It's moving in through and around not only the head area, but down the rest of the totality of the soul process, especially the facade soul's journey, is the light of hope is moving in, and also the light of faith. If you listen to some of my shows, you know those two, sh those two energies always go together because first we infuse in the light of hope. We want to manifest all the changes that you want in your life, the um, whatever the changes are that you want, the, the you know, health, the help, the support, the, uh, the joy, the whatever you need for yourself and your children, the ability to, the financial stability, all of that kind of thing. And now the divine faith comes in. Divine faith 
carries the energy to manifest all that is hoped for. They always work together. First, you do the hope with the infusion of what you hope for. Keep it general. We don't want it to be too narrow. Keep the focus of hope very open because we don't know at the mind level all the areas that can shift and change, all the directions and opportunities that can come in. So we allow the divine energy of hope and then the divine energy of faith to bring the manifestation in at the highest level, the highest ideal for you in accord with your own divine plan. So those things are moving in now. And now the, the energy inside the pumpkin is so brilliant and so uh, powerful. The pumpkin skin is getting thinner and thinner. It's like blowing up a balloon and the, the balloon itself, as the balloon gets more and more full with air, the skin around it, the skin of the balloon gets thinner and thinner and thinner. And then if you keep blowing, it's going to pop because there's, you know, it's too weak to hold on to the air. And that's what it's doing now. It's, it's expanding the, the skin of the pumpkin and it's getting thinner and thinner because it's neutralizing. It's neutralizing and dissolving that's going on. And with the interchange of the light through the portals that were created, uh, symbolically now looking like the eyes and the nose and the mouth of the pumpkin. And the pumpkin face is like, like this big surprise. It's not an evil-looking or ugly-looking face. It's sort of wide eyes and a wide mouth and a surprise in an in a expression of surprised joy. And so that, I want you to put your wrap your mind around that because this is what's happening. And I just am starting to see now the pumpkin skin start to dissolve. And there is this real connection that you have now to the to the to your sense of hope to and the the idea that you can you've connected to the idea that you are the directing identity of your life and you can be that pilot for your own life you can be the director and you will continue to move and um, find your way not only to help yourself, but your two kids. Now, I didn't get to the kids. Um, I don't know what's going to happen next week, but the higher selves are indicating that you have done a lot, a huge amount. They're putting that symbolic cocoon around you. The cocoon simply is energy that allows you to continue to process, because I still do see some releases coming out from the middle of the section of the body, and I see a lot of shifts um, and, and stuff coming out from the upper part, from the head area, um, because you really, because you neutralized a lot of that resistance. There's stuff coming out the top of the head now. You're letting stuff go. I'm not tuning in on it. It's not being indicated to me that it's needed and necessary, because there's always so much known and unknown that we carry that we're letting go of. And not everything is important that we know. We don't even have to know anything. You can do this work without being able to pick up anything. I did the work for a couple of decades without getting any information or very little. And as a matter of fact, I've had the higher selves after I've gone through a big release. And I said, well, what was that all about? They say, oh, no need to know. You'll just, you'll just empower it again <laughs> if we tell you. And I'm saying, okay, that's fine with me. I don't want to. I don't want to know then. So we don't have to know. So it, it isn't important. What's coming out the top of your head, I do see stuff coming out the ears even. It's like a cartoon on, you know, on TV 
where they, you know, they get mad or upset or they, you know, something happens and such energy shoots out the ears. That's what I'm seeing. It's a silly image. But the cocoon is around you. You are continuing to process. It is, you are giving permission because you were determined. You brought in this perfect storm life because you'd had it. You were determined to do something about it. You don't want to carry these patterns anymore. Now, a lot of times we come in and we want to heal or neutralize or bring in a state of balance one pattern or two patterns. Uh, those are the ones that are most troubling to us, perhaps, and we want to focus on those first, and so we'll choose a life pattern that's really helps us focus to let go of and go through the learning process and the healing process on those. You, on the other hand, are like so many fifth dimensional carrying the dual soul nature. You, on the other hand, want to really deal with all of these patterns. I see a determination. You don't, you're not willing just to deal with one or two. You really want to get the whole ball of wax, all the pieces of the puzzle, which means you had a hard going in this life. You had to activate all the pieces of the puzzle. Make, you chose a life pattern that was extremely difficult. You know, you choose your parents. You choose all the significant people in your life. It's a co-creation. Uh, you don't just choose and, you know, they become victims. They also have to I be mean, victims in the sense of they have no choice. They also have choice. It's a co-creation with each of the significant people in your life. And so, you know, you went to a great trouble, took a lot of planning to create a life that was going to be so miserable that you actually got to the point where you figured out there was something you could do and that you were in charge. And as I said, you figured that out. What happened? In came choices. In came whatever else came in your life. Of course, you've only told me about my stuff, but I'm sure there were other things. And so the you're really wanting to get rid of it. So you are still processing. And also the cocoon is going to be there to help acclimate you you have physical difficulties. Sometimes when you have such a major thing, you might feel, and I'm just preparing you for the possibility so you don't worry about it, you don't think something's wrong, you might feel some uh, aches or pains, some, you know, you may decide you can't move for a day. Uh, there's a huge amount of energy being released, as I said, and it's just done a huge shift in your energetic field, a huge shift. So, there's, it often can move through the physical body. You could even have something like diarrhea or something. I mean, I, I don't mean to be so, um, you know, maybe it's too much information. But, um, you could have some physical issues. This cocoon is going to help acclimate you and mitigate those situations so it'll be less than it would without the cocoon. So it does have that dual um dual reason for moving in and surrounding you with it and it is going to help you um, to move through it and if you do have something it isn't it isn't about taking a step backward it actually is good news if anything happens that is scary for you go ahead and check it out with the doctor the a lot of times that just helps us get over our fears because we get validated oh yeah well it's really nothing so if anything does big happen to you, and I'm not predicting it, I'm just saying if you do, uh, please 
go ahead and, and check it out. I don't want you to sit there worried or, well, you know, she said, oh, it's just a result of all the energy shifts. I don't know. I'm not a predictor. So just check anything out. Should you have anything physical, check it out with a doctor. But I don't, I don't expect that. I'm just saying um, because, because of the fact that you already are in a fragile condition at the physical level. And that's been my experience, that those who are in a more fragile physical condition often are the ones that can have some sort of uh, physical result or physical um, consequence of the healing. I think I told the story before where a friend of mine many years ago worked on someone who had a similar kind of life presented uh, manifestation in this life like you extreme difficulty and she has had two um, autoimmune diseases she had kidney stone she had all she had obesity she had sleep apnea apnea she had you know dental issues I mean just so many problems and was sick uh, five days out of seven four or five days out of seven just just could barely function Anyway, we worked on her, and she she said it felt like a truck hit her. Uh, she could not move uh, out of the bed for five days, vowed she would never have a healing again. And then um, after she recovered from that um, healing, and we did not use the cocoon at that point. <laughs> Trust me, I never don't use it. You know, I we were kind of, I don't know why we didn't use it, but... In any case, um, her life changed 180 degrees after that. The they did, she did a healing on their financial she uh, her financial problems and they had, she hadn't worked in I think four or five years. Lost her home, lost everything. Anyway, so a couple of weeks later, they, she got work for and had solid work for six months. Paid off her so many debts. I mean, just changed her life and she changed her mind about having a healing again but again she was very frail at the physical level uh, maybe even more frail than you and she had and we did not use the cocoon on her and she had a tremendous shift I was more inexperienced back then and um, I didn't really realize it was soon after that and because of that that I started using the cocoon on a very regular basis and uh so anyway, it really will help. I have had nobody with that kind of extreme uh, result uh, since we started using the cocoon. But in any case, just wanted to let you know. All right. Well, with that, the healing is winding down. You are, Angie, continuing to process. I do see you still releasing. It's greatly reduced, but as long as you're willing, the higher selves are actively working with you and helping you with it. Remember, they cannot trespass. They would not be helping uh, or facilitating this uh, release if you weren't agreeing at the soul level. And you are, because as I said, you are determined in this life. I mean, oh my gosh. I've never had the information that someone in this life is their perfect storm life. I get it on a fairly regular basis, but it's usually a past life that is still having ripple effects into the current life. And this is very, very 
big, Angie, and I have to take my hat off to you. I have to say how impressed I am. I re- totally respect your journey. Uh, I know the difficulties. It just pulls at my heartstrings. But but now that I understand that determination under, underneath the soul level, now that I understand that you absolutely want this, you absolutely want to help yourself heal, that you're determined to let go of and, and release these soul scrambles that have been dogging you for a long time. So now I just noticed I have a caller and I have a feeling it might be Angie because I'm getting the 11111, which I think it comes from a foreign call. So if it is you, Angie, I'm sorry. I have been working on you for lot more than you heard because I see you're only on for nine minutes. Maybe it isn't you, but um, anyway, um, I'm completely in la-la land. This was very exciting healing, very different in a way, but of course, knowing that I'm going to be working on Angie again next week, the higher self, do you approach the healings knowing there'll be two, and so you've got kind of a general healing, but a very powerful one. I have to take my hat off to you, lady. Uh, thank you for emailing me. And I hope this example of, of her taking the chance, believing that, first of all, I had an assistant that picked up my email and that I would never see it. Well, in fact, I do have an assistant, but I see every email and I personally answer all of them. She doesn't get my, she doesn't get my email. Sometimes I forward them to her because there's something that she can help with, um, depending on the type of email. But I answer everybody, and I really, really encourage people to, you know, take advantage of the healing. Now, I happen to think that the fifth dimensional information I'm giving out is is absolutely essential. It's essential. It's fascinating. It's going to open up our viewpoint of the world. I love sharing it with you, and of course, it's going to be it's going to be unfolded in, in a much bigger degree uh, in the third book. You're getting previews, guys, and trust me, this year is going to be fascinating. But I'm not giving up the healings. I can't. Too many. It's too important. And I want you to understand, Angie, that you just simply need to go into the center and everybody into the center of that pure soul essence, activate it and have it become one with the totality of who you are. That means it includes your higher self. You can ask for to be amalgamated and become one with your true soul essence. That's that fifth dimensional part of you. You can ask also, also to be amalgamated with your higher self. You can but they are included automatically when you bring that pure soul essence light to the totality of who you are at the soul level. It includes the fifth dimensional part of you and the higher self, which are aspects of you at that fifth dimensional level. It includes all of that. So you can say it or not, depends on the day, depends on the healing that I do on myself, whether I do or not, but however you do it, whatever you become one with, I want you to then move into that symbolic diamond, which is all that originating source is. It's the totality symbol. It's the symbol of the totality of the originating source. So please move into that as well. And 
then do the work. If you have an issue, whatever is upsetting you for the day, maybe it's something about your daughter and having had been sexually assaulted is brought up. You, you're watching her deal with it, and it's so painful for her. That pain, the memory of it comes up for you. Put it right in that pure soul essence and just send the light in to dissolve the pain, to bring in uh, the nurturing, the support, whatever you think of. The understanding, the wisdom, the expanded perception, the self-connection, the self-love, self-responsibility. And I just want to say one more thing, and I'm going to bring it to an end. This idea of self-responsibility is scary for people because they think, oh, how can I be responsible when there's so much craziness out in the world? I'm sitting in my car and I'm at a light and somebody rams me from behind. How could I have been responsible for that? Okay? There's so many of those questions and doubts that the idea of being self-responsible takes us into this realm that we almost think it's fantasy. How could we possibly be responsible for ourselves? And I want to shift the perspective on that. And I want everybody to understand that if something else, someone else, is responsible for us, it puts us into a waiting game, a powerless place, a hopeless place, because we have to wait for somebody or something else to do it for us. And we can wait till hell freezes over. And that's never going to happen. Because there's not even hell. So what the heck? We're not going to be fixed, be saved, whether it's from a God, whether it's from an individual, a government, we can wait forever to be taken care of. That's why being self-responsible is so fabulous because it puts us in the driver's seat. We can then take care of our own lives. And we have the tools. We all come well-equipped because we carry that pure soul essence. And we use that pure soul essence to do it for ourselves. We aren't waiting for anybody or anything else to do it for us. It's so empowering. And thank God it wouldn't be empowering if we didn't know and we weren't aware that we come well-equipped that we have everything that we need to do, it wouldn't be empowering. But we do have that information. And it speaks for itself because, trust me, it is divine in nature. We have to guide it. We have to give it permission to work on us. It doesn't happen automatically. And a big part of our journey is to get to the place where we're aware that we have it and that we have to direct it, that we have to give it permission. And once we become aware and once we start using the techniques and the tools and using it, we're going to have our lives change 180 degrees many times. It'll change 180 degrees in one area, and then you keep working, and it changes in another area, and then it changes in the third, a fifth. I've had my life change 180 degrees so many times, at least five or six, maybe eight or nine. It, it sort of depends on what I'm going to count, and I haven't even sat down and tried to count. It's just so powerful and so profound 
when my life turns a corner and I go, oh, my God, last week I would have had no idea that this was going to happen this week. And doors open, things change, and I move out in a completely different way. It wouldn't have happened if I didn't use this tool. If I waited for somebody else to take care of me, to fix me. So self-responsibility is huge. It is the best thing since sliced bread. It is our powerhouse. This is how we change our lives to make them what we want to make them. It is a fantastic step, guys. And this is where Angie is moving. This is the insight that she had before she even got my book because that brought the book in. Now back to the sitting at the light and you're hit from behind. You bring that in too. And I did that to myself. And I have a show on it, actually. I was in a massive accident sitting in a light. Totaled my car, brand new car, total. But I walked away. But I knew I had to, there was a reason for that. And I went in, and I can't remember anything now, but I did a whole show on it right a week or two or three after it happened, maybe four or five, because I did have some, I did have a minor concussion, and I had some other issues I had to take care of, uh, just physically get through. But they were minor, but I still had to deal with a few things, and then the whole accident thing and all of that. But in any case, I did eventually go in and discover there was a whole bunch of stuff underneath I couldn't, that the accident triggered off, that I had to neutralize. I called it in. I called it in. I didn't know at the conscious mind level, but remember, it isn't the conscious mind that calls these things in. It's the soul level. It is the soul level, and I can't tell you how many times I've called in a difficult situation only to find out after the fact that something had to be triggered in me so I could get rid of it. Remember the goal is to get rid of as much of these, this energetic baggage as we can. That is a huge goal. And I bring it out over and over again. I'm going to wind the show down now because I'm kind of out of it. I don't want to get off on another topic, but I, so I, but, but trust me, I really recommend people listen to these shows in order, go back, listen to some past ones. It's very important. I let bits and pieces of information out, how these things work, you know, throughout the shows. Some are explained in detail, some are just small, but enlightening. There's a lot of information in these shows, and I know it's a long time to listen. It's a long time, but with the MP3 players, our phones, uh, all sorts of things that we have, the ability to listen on our iPads or our computers or whatever, we have the access to listening. You can put it on your phone and you're driving, you know, you got to drive to the dentist or you got to drive an hour away to see your parents or you're driving somewhere. Listen in the car. Listen while you walk. Put in the ear earplugs, the ear, you know, buds. You're exercising. You're on the treadmill. Put in the earbuds. Listen. Get this information. Understand 
all that we have. I started this year almost right at the top, maybe by the third week. I started putting this into the idea that we're this is superhero school. And it is. This is your opportunity. I'm sure there are other ones out there, but this one is your opportunity to become a superhero for yourself and then for others. We're in process, guys. We're on a journey here. We're pioneers. We're going to be doing a lot of help. And I really want you to listen to my show, read my books, move yourself into a state of awareness. I try to get it out there in all the ways I can, including I'm now doing a videoed radio show. Don't have it archived yet. It's live every Tuesday. I've just did my fourth one. The first one is not going to be put up. I think I mentioned to it. The archive will not be mentioned, will not be put up. It was sort of Murphy's Law. No biggie. It was my first time out of the gate. I don't mind at all. But the the second, third, and fourth shows will be put up. I think the third one is going to be archived this week. Maybe the second and the fourth too. Um, anyway, it should be archived soon. That's interesting too. And that shifted already after the third week, by the fourth week, I completely shifted the focus of that show. Things are changing, new ideas, new concepts. Oh my God. It's, it's so exciting. What is happening? We have the opportunity here, guys. The energies are just expanding exponentially. And as a result, you're going to find things shifting over and over and over again. Anyway, oh, my God, the show's about over. Just know I love you guys. Uh, I'll talk to you next week. Angie, thank you, thank you, thank you for writing me, taking that chance. Thank you. And I will, you know, you can write me any questions. I hope you're going to listen. If you if you aren't um, listening now, I, I just love everybody out there. Take care. Have a wonderful week. And I will be back next week. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Janet Richmond and the Higher Self Voice. Visit Janet's website at JanetRichmond.com to view all of her upcoming events or to buy her book, Choices, Neutralizing Your Negative Thoughts and Emotional Blueprints. Alexander Hamilton, founding father and notorious rib man. At TGI Fridays, get a full rack of ribs for just $10. That's one Hamilton, me, for a full rack of Jack Daniels or Friday's signature barbecue ribs. Who invented the half rack of ribs anyway? The half wit? <laughs> Hurry in for a full rack of ribs or our $10 summer grill entrees. Valid on select items for a limited time. Only at participating locations. Dine-in only. Price does not include tax or gratuity. Not valid with any other offer.
The deals are getting hotter during the Deer Days of Summer. Get 0% financing for 60 months on all John Deere compact tractors. Plus, get a best-in-class six-year powertrain warranty at no additional cost. Hurry in today for the hot deals of summer. Offer ends August 2nd, 2016, subject to approved installment credit with John Deere Financial. Terms, conditions, exclusions, and warranty limitations apply. See dealer for details. Visit your local John Deere dealer today to take advantage of special savings going on now. Find out more at myjohndeeredealer.com. 